we tell stories that engage, inspire, and have a lasting impact? How do we turn thoughts and ideas into effective and authentic storytelling? How can we use stories to make a difference in our work, lives, and communities? I'm your host, Camille DePutter, and together we'll explore what it means to tell stories with heart. Welcome to another episode of the Storytelling with Heart podcast. I am your host, Camille DePutter, and with me today is Caitlin Stephen. Caitlin Stephen is a feminist embodiment coach who helps humans of all genders reclaim their pleasure and power by helping them build unshakable trust in themselves and their own wisdom. As a coach, Caitlin works with clients to identify, explore, challenge, and release the things that have been holding them back from unleashing their full power in the world. She provides one-on-one coaching services and facilitates welcoming community events, both virtually and in person in the Toronto, Ontario area. Caitlin's also a good friend of mine. Her coaching and workshops have helped me personally bring more balance and stability and pleasure and groundedness into my life, especially when I've been overwhelmed, anxious, and burned out. So if you are a business leader or a busy person with a lot going on and a lot in your own brain (laughs) and you want to experience more creativity, more balance in your life, more self-trust and more room to pursue your big projects and goals, I think you're going to love this conversation. So with that, welcome, Caitlin. Yeah, thanks so much. That was the loveliest intro ever. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Well, I'm so excited to have you today because as I said in the intro, I've gotten so much personal value out of both um, the coaching you've done with me out of your workshops and also just, you know, the many conversations that we've had um, as friends. So um, I'm excited to bring this to listeners and maybe the best place to start is just with the embodiment piece. You know, it was something that I didn't know anything about until you told me about it. So what, what is embodiment and what's an embodiment coach? Yeah. What is it? Um, essentially embodiment is the act of being in communion with the felt sensations and the physical and emotional cues of our bodies. It's sensing and interpreting, um, internal and external cues of pain, hunger, expansion, contraction, (laughs) joy, grief, fear, neutrality, all of that stuff. The greater connection to um, these cues and their corresponding emotions, the better equipped we are to kind of creatively get our needs met. And if that's not possible, to manage adaptively to find resilient strategies. Um, Unfortunately, a lot of people find it actually a lot easier to think and do than to really feel. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it's, it often seems unnatural and kind of weird and trippy, or even unsafe to explore this kind of emotional terrain, because we're just so out of the habit of tuning, tuning in this way. So then naturally, embodiment or somatic coaching is a trauma responsive body-led approach to coaching. It empowers people to dive deep into the wisdom of our bodies, releasing tension, rewriting old unconscious nervous system stories, 
and really expanding into pleasure as they move in the direction of their goals. So when you, so let me just unpack that a little bit and like, yeah, at a, at a very simple level then, like if we were to just kind of dumb this way down, is it like the, you know, when you're doing a, a bit of meditation and it will say, just, you know, do a body scan from head to toe and notice how your body feels. And you might notice, oh, am I, am I tired or my sore, and my tense, or, you know, just kind of noticing what is going on in your body. Is that, is that like an embodiment practice? Yeah, it certainly is a part of it. Um, I would say that that is kind of the awareness piece of it, which mm-hmm. is one of the pillars of embodiment. The other three are movement, breath, and sound. Um And yeah, bringing your awareness into your body is inherently being embodied. So um, a lot of people do have some experience with it, whether they're doing mindfulness practices or meditations. And starting with a body scan is a really kind of easy, accessible way to um, just tune into the body and kind of go beneath the (laughs) level of our intellect um and our to-do list Mm -hmm. so that in in my interpretation anyway it's kind of like because I know I'm thinking a lot you know even if Mm -hmm. I'm even if I'm say talking to my therapist to try and exploring my emotions it still tends to be well here's how I I think and I'm kind of intellectualizing it that sort of thing and I I sort of see or imagine embodiment as this as an alternative to say, okay, let's just sort of quiet down that thinky, talky voice for a minute and instead just kind of get in touch with what my body is feeling or experiencing, or as you mentioned, breath, maybe what is my breath like or sound or smell, like kind of getting in touch with my other senses and letting them um, just pay more attention to them. Does that yeah. is that accurate? And can can you respond to that? Yeah, you you totally got it. Um, overthinking is really our brain's way of protecting us from overfeeling, um, which makes a lot of sense. And thank goodness for it, right? Because it keeps us safe in really dangerous situations and allows us to put a pin in something so that we uh, don't have a meltdown in the middle of a work meeting. Um, but there's a rub. When we numb our feelings to avoid our pain, we also lose access to our pleasure by extension. They go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. Um, And pleasure is actually a requirement for the healing (laughs) of emotional pain. So avoiding feeling our feelings is just really never going to get you where you want to go. The solution for overthinking is feeling. You know, we can't just think our thoughts away with more thinking, Um, something much deeper is needed and it often takes a lot of practice mm. and I I got into I'll add personal kind of anecdote is that I got into embodiment because I I have such a strong thinking habit I am just constantly on this carousel of analysis and I've been in therapy for a long time and 
um, was getting comments about you think a lot. <laughs> and I went to a sleep study and the sleep study analyst was like, you think a lot. And I just thought I've got to find a way to calm down. And um, an embodiment was the ticket for me. And it has really been kind of the puzzle piece that I was missing. So I don't feel like I'm just kind of flying up in the air all the time with these thoughts that I can really ground into my body and take excellent care of myself in a way that I wasn't when I was just thinking all the time. Yeah. Can you tell me more about that then? So you, it sounds like you, you recognized that you were sort of always overthinking kind of on this hamster wheel of thinking all the time. And you realized that, Hey, I've got to do something different here. Like this isn't serving me. It's exhausting, whatever. Mm -hmm. How did you, what was your first experience with embodiment then? How did you encounter it? And what did you start with? Well, I went to school to become a trauma counselor for women uh, who are rebuilding their lives after violence. Um, and was it, you know, there's, it's really challenging content. Mm-hmm. It's hard on the, hard on the body, hard on the spirit. Um, there's a lot of thinking and strategizing involved with that work of, um, when I'm when I'm at the shelter in that way and then when I started to build my coaching practice I was doing similar kind of strategic work and honestly a a lot of kind of we got to fix the system kind of raging against the machine um, activist kind of coaching which is really really empowering and feels important to me as part of my you know, foundation of values. Um, but it was grinding me into dust. I was just feeling so burnt out. Um, I was angry all the time. I was exhausted. And so I started looking at, I think it was just kind of online scrolling. And I started seeing other counselors and therapists that were talking about somatics and the way, um, trauma is stored in the body and only through releasing and discharging this frozen tension and energy that's in the body can we really kind of move that Mm -hmm. energy through and transform it Mm -hmm. um and so i started looking into certifications um to do with embodiment work and i signed up for um a really excellent program through the school of embodied arts and immediately started to feel the shift in my Mm. energy levels, my joy levels, um, discovering boundaries that I didn't have before Mm. that came from really, really rooting into this wellspring of wisdom that I have available to me and was neglecting. Wow. So you, so it sounds like you felt you felt happier and joyful, more joyful and more at ease. You were also able to set better boundaries. How did it help you with the overthinking? Did you do you feel like it helped you get off of that hamster wheel in your brain? Yeah, I mean, for sure, it supported me a lot. I mean, I did 
<laughs> since then um, discover that uh, I have ADHD, which is also contributing to the, you know, the hyperactive thinking. So um, that's, that's a part of it that doesn't necessarily go away. But having this embodiment piece has just been like just so incredibly supportive and such a resource for me um so that i don't spend so much time spiraling out with with like overactive um you know energy that way um i've just really found that i am better able to recognize when i am on that hamster wheel and choose consciously to make a different decision for myself um, in a way that I just didn't have access to before because yeah. it was all about like that's what the culture tells us to do right it's just think strategize fix the situation you know if you have a negative mindset get a positive mindset and the only way through that or over that was was through by feeling this stuff that I was um, numbing by scrolling or thinking or doing. And it just allowed me to slow down. And my thoughts slowed down. My actions slowed down. Um, mm. And I kind of got into the new habit of different practices that you know orient towards a slower more receptive and flowing way of engaging with the world and my thoughts and my desires yeah i love this it's um it's really honestly it's it's inspiring and it's really interesting i i appreciate that you brought up the adhd piece because it's like it's not like we're talking about hey you can become a different person <laughs> overnight, yeah. or you can just cut this, you know, completely out. Um, and, you know, my, my husband has ADHD. I have clients with ADHD and friends, uh, you know, so I think it's, it's also useful to, to maybe bring up as even if your brain is hardwired this way, like it is how your brain actually works, perhaps this can become an even more useful practice for you. So I'd love, can you tell me more about then what that practice actually looks like or, or can look yeah. like? I mean, I know you've got many tools for it, but I'm, when you said, oh, it's brought me more awareness and now I have these sort of practices I can put in place. I'm curious about what that looks like. Sure. Well, why don't I take you through kind of an ideal <laughs> daily practice? <laughs> sure. Um, and with the <laughs> The disclaimer that I always offer myself and others that um, I am not perfect and I very rarely hit all of these uh, targets in a day, um, but this is kind of what I'm aiming for. And uh, the more of them I, I tick off, the better I feel, um, but doing any of them is progress and sets me up for, for a better day. Um, so. Basically, it's starting with kind of my morning magic uh, routine, which uh, starts in my uh, altar. <laughs> um, I know this isn't 
with video, but you can see it behind me. And uh, it's a space for listeners. She's got candles and lights and plants, and like it's this really kind of pretty cozy little warm space going on. Yeah, curated, like pulled in art over the years, and um, I've got my tarot decks and my oracle decks and and all that kind of stuff, and it's just really, really cozy and special to me. And so I will start my morning at this space and I'll be lighting incense and candles and I've got a mat out and I'll do an embodied float practice. Got a bunch of different playlists and get on my hands and knees and just start letting my body move little by little. Sometimes, oh my gosh, it just takes all my strength to move at all. I don't want to do it. Um, But it's kind of like, you know, the momentum of a snowball rolling down a hill, you just got to give it that little bit of a push and the movement will flow. You know, one hip roll moves into another hip roll and suddenly I am kind of dancing and allowing my body to just lead me through this expressive, um, liberate, liberating, uh, energizing 20 minute practice 40 minutes if I'm feeling like I've really got the time to do it um it's really really lovely and then I will often get into some tarot reading um some journaling and just really kind of set my intention for the day and bring in a little bit of an enchantment you know that's been a new thing in the past year getting into like uh these kind of oracle decks and I have this great deck called the literary witches and I just think it's so fun and it allows me to just kind of contemplate my life and my desires and my goals uh, from a new angle that I might not have been accessing before that Mm -hmm. Um, and then I do an embodied to-do list where I am talking about um, looking at like what my energy needs are for the day do I need to have a nap today do I need to get outside and get some movement? Do I need to have a cry? Um, setting up my creativity when I'm going to be able to do my most creative work. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, that's later in the day. So in the morning, it's getting down to business, doing my admin, doing my marketing. Um, and then my personal odds and sods are in there as well. So whatever errands I might have to run relationship stuff. And then I kind of start my day and throughout my day, I'm doing regular body checks. Mm. And that is just like, what do I need right now? Before I got on this call, I thought about what I needed with my body. I realized I needed to get some water. I was pretty thirsty. My feet were a little chilly. I went and got some socks. Um, I've been sitting on my couch, working on my couch for most of the morning, realized, no, what I need is to get up and stretch and move my body and be allowed to kind of sway my hips while I'm talking to you. And so it's this constant, these little adjustments throughout the day that keep me taking pretty excellent care of myself, even when life is not, you know, thrilling. And I know that you've kind of pointed to this, um, but a a question you've often asked me and our coaching together has been like asking my body, what do you need from me today? And so Mm -hmm. it sounds like 
even if if nothing else, you know, I'm thinking about some of, some of my my listeners and <laughs> people in my life who I think could really benefit from this, and they're going to be like dancing and tarot cards, like no way. But even if you were to say, "Hey, hey, body, what do you need from me today?" Mm-hmm. and be able to come up with that, oh, I need some water, or I need to stretch, or I need to get outside, or I need to take a nap, whatever those things might be, it sounds like that can allow you to just tune into your body in a new way and and do some things throughout your day that honor that a little bit more, as opposed to say just the to-do list. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. It's so unique to everybody. Um, Like Caitlin from two years ago would have like laughed in your face if you told me that I was going to have a tarot card practice like it's ridiculous um and then I saw some people that I trusted and liked (laughs) enjoying it and getting something meaningful from it so I was like okay maybe I shouldn't be so judgmental about this maybe there is something here for me lo and behold I dig it so um I also encourage people to explore their curiosity And, you know, you don't have to love it to try it. And you don't have to try what other people are doing. Absolutely. Do your own thing. Even the, even a practice of asking yourself that, I mean, I think for so Mm -hmm. many people, um, you know, myself included, it can be such a, we can be so focused on all the things that I have to do today, all the work that I have to do, all of the things at home that I'm behind on all the stuff that I want to do and want to do or need to do for other people that we can really skip over the, that question. And I think in particular that can relate to, um, you know, things like writing, or if we do have something we're trying to work on, if we're trying to make steady progress, working on a book, or, you know, we want to write more, whatever it is, there's sort of, it can be so easy to just launch yourself into the making of the thing. Okay. Sit at desk and write and not really yeah. think about, Hmm, what do I need to give myself to set myself up for my best work or a, a creative period or for this to feel good? Like, do I need to take a little walk first? Would it be nice to light a candle or put on some slippers first? We don't, at least for me, that's um, kind of new for me to even think about that first. Yeah. And what a difference. Like what 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 difference have you noticed since you started making those adjustments? I think it's it's not that it will be completely night and day if I'm having a difficult day or I feel busy or overwhelmed sometimes. It doesn't make it all go away, but it adds up to kind of a more cumulative um experience of feeling that I'm feeling more looked after, I guess, Mm -hmm. in my life and that it can make, and that there's more pleasure, um, present. So it can, for me, it might feel like, um, I don't know, it might be like lighting candles or making sure I'm wearing comfy clothes. Um, I make my office look nice and, you know, I've spent some time, you know, I have my bookshelf organized and I have plants in it and I have lights in it or because it's January currently and it's very gray out, I've been using my happy lamp. And so I kind of 
I look at, hey, how can I um, just make it a little bit nicer for myself? And when I do those things, <laughs> the experience is nicer. The day is better. And I do often feel ultimately probably more productive just because I also feel a little bit more centered and grounded in what I'm in what I'm doing. Um, I had a really busy morning before this call and I was feeling it's so much adrenaline and I was feeling almost like out of breath. Um, and so before this call, I sat on my couch and did like five minutes of meditation. And then I grabbed a lacrosse ball and was just kind of rubbing at my neck and shoulders and doing a few stretches. Mm -hmm. And then when I came back to my desk, I just felt calmer, no longer out of breath. And ready and and able to focus on this conversation right now. So they're kind of like, Mm. I don't know, small changes that add up, I suppose. Yeah. I love those. Those are just beautiful examples of like loving yourself. And by taking those moments out of your go, go, go day to love yourself is such meaningful communication with yourself you're letting yourself know that you are deserving of love and care Mm. it's really really powerful stuff you're not just putting slippers on because your feet are cold you are tending to yourself Mm -hmm. yeah it's a really beautiful thing and when you love yourself you then have more love to give to other people you're not so you know strapped Mm -hmm. abundance expands scarcity contracts and if you are constantly just doing for others taking care of people crossing things off your to-do list you're gonna feel scarce as hell by the end of the day right so if you take these little moments throughout to be like oh i'm i'm something that matters too I'm a human being with a beating heart. Mm-hmm. I deserve to be taken care of, just like all these people and tasks and critters. <laughs> Shout out to Iggy. Um, that that you're taking care of. So why do you not deserve to be taken care of just as well? And why shouldn't we be the ones to lead that that work? That's that's such a beautiful way of putting it, honestly. It's uh this is why I love talking to you about this stuff. It feels it feels so good. Um, and it reminds me what you're saying reminds me of another word that I've, I've kind of come to, to use and think about more because of you is this idea of resourcing or being resourced. Um, that's something that you've, you've talked to me about how, when you yourself are personally resourced, you have more to give to your work, to other people, to the world, can you tell me a bit about this idea of resourcing and what that means? Sure. It's only my favorite topic. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it is so, so powerful to call in layers of support when we are doing anything, especially when we're doing something difficult. So having some resources that we can rely on kind of in the lead up to something that's going to be difficult or uncomfortable 
during the uncomfortable thing and afterwards mm-hmm. um, has been just such a way to to make life less difficult. Like it's not, we're not just white knuckling life anymore. Right. We're finding ways to take care of ourselves during all the things that we have to do. You know, we don't have the the luxury of just going and living on a yacht and being like, I'm just choosing to throw all my millions at my problems and somebody else can deal with them. No, we're, we're people <laughs> in the world with responsibilities and people who are relying on us and bills to pay. So life is not always just going to be a walk in the park where we get to just, you know, sway like a tree in the wind. We have shit that we've got to do, but it doesn't have to be miserable while we do it. So talking about resources, the specifics of it, um, there are so many, I mean, I could just list like dozens and dozens of options for you off the top of my head, but maybe giving a little bit of structure would help. Um, I like to think of the categories of like tangible or um, resources, things that you can touch and feel, quantify, and then intangible or conceptual resources. These are the things that are a little bit more um you know, difficult to define. These are the things that we feel. Um, these are the things that we we kind of imagine and and use that way. So, for instance, um, you know, a, a tangible resource would be using the stability of the floor or the furniture beneath you, the earth beneath that, wrapping yourself up in a cozy blanket surrounding yourself with plants or going outside and touching a tree, (laughs) having fragrance, experimenting with loving touch, whether you have somebody in your house that you can go and have a hug from or a a pet where you can have some loving touch with yourself, give yourself a hug, rub your legs um, having the the stability and the consistency of your breath and your heartbeat. And then the conceptual resources are things that are uh, harder to <laughs> pinpoint, but they're things like an awareness of your higher self or the trusted inner advisor. Mm. You know, it's an awareness of your energetic boundaries, mm-hmm. calling in support from ancestors, beloveds, guides divinity, mystical or cosmic forces. Personally, I source a lot of strength and wisdom from my foremothers, my grandmother in particular, lately. I love being able to just think of like what scrappy, sassy things she would say to like snap me out of whatever analysis paralysis I'm in or doom and gloom. And like, okay, I am my grandmother's daughter. It's time for me to get out of this little pit of despair that I've built for myself and like get on with it (laughs) (laughs) it's really powerful right um so yeah these are some of the rituals and like they can be really really effective in times of challenge but we can also pull them in whenever we want to make life more beautiful so when you say before during and after then so Mm-hmm. We talked a bit about like how both of us prepared a little bit for this call. So I can imagine that sort of being is like my resourcing beforehand. And again, notice that it doesn't make it 
perfect. It's not like I was able to carve out the, you know, hours ahead of time and have the perfect morning. It's like, okay, I have maybe five or 10 minutes beforehand. How can I kind of set things up for myself to feel a little bit better equipped, a little bit more looked after? It sounds like, you know, you could also, as part of that, it reminds me of um, my tattoo artist um, who I, I love. And before she started her work with me. She would always, we would do a little meditation. She would do a smudge. Um, and she would also, as part of that, set her intention. She would kind of, she would call upon like the ancient art of tattooing and all the people who've come before in this art. And it was, you know, she, she worked so hard. Our work together would be hours long and I felt very inspired by the fact that she would set these intentions and and go through this little ritual beforehand. But mm-hmm. so what could that look like du- during if you are presenting or you have a challenging day at work or you're trying to keep writing and not give up and start <laughs> not just you know, flip your laptop and peace out. Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> for sure. I mean, even just for instance, as you were saying before coming into this conversation, I totally got myself resourced. I said, like, I had a little invocation talking about, like, my intention for this. I'm gathered here to communicate and 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 tell stories and remember my wholeness and to to spread this love with with um, Cam's listeners. I got myself a warm tea. I listen to a song that makes me feel just so happy and powerful right before you hit record on this uh, Zoom. And then during a difficult thing, it could be having a photo of somebody that you love Mm -hmm. on your desk that you can look at and practice dual awareness with. You know, you're in the difficulty. It doesn't do, you know, it doesn't support you to just leave the work but you can take a moment to glance at the photo of somebody that you love or a photo of a a memory that of a place where you did something really powerful or that felt really peaceful um so practicing dual awareness with that making sure that you've got water with you making making sure that your physical needs are taken care of i'm standing on a mat instead of my hard floor so that my heels don't hurt i think you know, if your if your difficulty or the challenging thing that you're going through is more long lasting, taking breaks. People mm-hmm. can wait. Mm-hmm. You know, if you need to take a bio break, go take a bio break. If you're getting overwhelmed or overstimulated by what's happening, can you put some earplugs in? Can you take a pause? Can you walk around the block and clear your head? Right. Yeah. yeah. So those are just some of the resources that I often call in or, or um, that people bring in when we're working together. And then afterwards is the one that I, I think people sometimes forget about, which is what are you going to do to bring yourself back to baseline? If your cortisol's up, your adrenaline's up, if you had a, a negative experience with somebody, you know, instead of letting that energy just stagnate build up in our bodies which leads to burnout mm-hmm. um <laughs> to really say okay maybe i need to take a yoga class after hanging out with my in-laws for the weekend or maybe i need to go and 
you know, I had a really tough job interview. I was really scared and it means a lot to me and I'm not sure I did a great job. I need to go and dance with my best friend or just go and be held mm-hmm. um, and have somebody remind me how wonderful I am. <laughs> you know, like let's take care of ourselves after we do these hard things. Mm-hmm. It'll make us, you know, it'll embolden us to be able to go and do it again. Right. Yeah. I think that's a, a big piece too, because it can be so, um, you know, there's so much emphasis on reaching a goal or getting a hard thing done. I've experienced this with athletic accomplishments too, or, or, you know, sort of challenging physical things and you go and do it and you're like, hooray, I did it. And then I realize I prepped for all of the steps leading up to the event and the event itself, mm-hmm. but I didn't really prepare myself or my life for that inevitable come down, like feeling tired afterwards, maybe feeling a little bit depressed afterwards. Um, yeah. yeah the sort of like that comes after the expansion, right? Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a big part of the of the cycle. Um, we will do better if we complete it. Right. Yeah. So even just from a even just from a planning perspective, it's an that's an interesting mm-hmm. thing to think about. If you are if you do have big goals for the year ahead, or you have big projects you're working on, or ambitious things you're taking on, how can you resource yourself for that before, during? and after and maybe have a bit of a a game plan around it or some things you know kind of lined up to try or experiment with yeah and and if at all possible give yourself a little bit of space in between things so that you can do the natural contraction stuff mm-hmm. and not, you're not just running right into the next thing if it's yeah. 5 minutes between meetings you know ending a meeting at 10 to 2 instead of on the on the hour. So you're not running from one meeting to the next so that you can have a little space, you know, some dignified time to be a human being to switch energy, you know, um, <laughs> after you finish a really big project, you're grinding for three months and you finish on a Friday, maybe you don't turn around and start another really big grindy project on Monday. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it, it you're kind of like half joking, being a little bit facetious with some of them, but I mean, it, it's, it, that's very real. Like, you know, I, as I mentioned, I had packed a packed morning of meetings right before this call. And for me, the fact that I went and had lunch and stepped away from my computer and did that little five minute meditation, rather than trying to squeeze in more work before this call is kind of unusual for me. <laughs> and I think there's a lot of other people out there too, where you are you're not only just very heavily scheduled, but if you do have a bit of a break, rather than thinking, Whew, great, I can take a break, catch my my breath, resource myself, you know, um, we think, okay, great, what more can I cram in? Right. Just how we're used to working and thinking, right? Yeah, it's such a bummer. Honestly, <laughs> it bums me out so hard. Like... Oh my God, we are, there's so much more to life than just producing and maximum efficiency. And it's, it's just one of the costs of, of being disembodied is this, this, this loss, I think, of, of losing the kind of inherent skills of embodiment that we have 
when we're born and when we're young children. Mm-hmm. You know, when we see and feel everything in technicolor and we express our pain and our joy unselfconsciously and we communicate our needs without apologizing, we expect them to be met. And then the world kind of grinds us down <laughs> and we just, you know, uh, we have all these models of success that teach us about, you know, the ethos of hard work. And and uh, and I just think we're looking at the tip of the iceberg and there's just all this mysterious powerful stuff under the surface of the water and we're not engaging with it i just think we're so much more you know we're we're kind of trained to treat our bodies like human machines but we are feeling living breathing beings and this mind over matter kind of orientation leads humans to feeling numb and flat and uninspired and isolated and depressed <laughs> or then alternately alternately you get freaking anxious and exhausted burned yeah. out you know they're they're really really steep costs i take it seriously um and mm-hmm. I, I really hope that there's a tide that's turning with more folks that are getting into somatics and are understanding the way trauma lives in the body um, and the way that we discharge that stuff and heal it through movement mm-hmm. and through um, embodied contemplation. I just think that we gain access to this unrealized source of our human potential. And, uh, you know, fewer ships sink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I mean, when you talk about it like that, it's so it's such a beautiful thing. And and especially the comparison to kids, too. Right. Because when you look at kids, they absolutely do that. They say when they're hungry, they if they hear music, they move and and dance and they run and they play and they sleep when they're tired or all sometimes. <laughs> um, but, you know, they, they really are so naturally oriented into their own, their own needs and their bodies in particular. Yeah. You, something I wanted to ask you about too, because we've uh, chatted about this before and it's something that I've, I've really taken in as well from your workshops and your coaching is the idea of ritual. So we've talked a bit about resources and and how you might have at the ready a, a number of things that can kind of help to resource you. And it can be a practice in itself to discover what those things are, what makes you feel cozy or centered or, or good or mm-hmm. how, how you connect with your body. But I, before before you placed this idea in my mind, it really was not something that I was, that I had thought much about in my life. And so can you maybe tell me, and I don't even know if these are connected, but it's almost like if we go a step beyond resourcing and into this idea of ritualizing, what does that look like? And what, what purpose might that serve? Yeah. Um, Sorry, I was going to say something (laughs) kind of sarcastic. Um, Feel free. (laughs) Well, might as well just say, I'm like, it's nothing short of magic. Right. Um, And I know, you know, the audience for this podcast might be a little bit mixed and not exactly the audience that is I'm I'm typically speaking to. So I'm trying not to be, uh, you know, too hippy dippy trippy for <laughs> for the general population. But I, I I actually really do mean it, and and I kind of ask for a little bit of uh, grace um, from the 
listeners who might be a little bit skeptical of uh, of what I'm I'm saying when I use words like magic and enchantment because I was that way, like strident atheist, like all rational reason. Um, and if there wasn't like scientific evidence to prove it, then I wasn't going to consider it. And uh, I really do think that I was missing out on just so much joy in life that comes from things like ritual and pursuing sacred connection to people, to ourselves, to the natural world, to the, to the, to the divine and the, the, the mystical in the world. Um, and so rituals to me are a really big deal. And Casper Terkel wrote a fantastic book called The Power of Ritual. And he uh, talks about the pillars of ritual are um, intention, attention, and repetition. And so essentially, uh, any daily activity can become a sacred ritual if these things, these three things are present. Um, So things like gardening, singing, taking your dog for a walk, reading a book. They can become really meaningful rituals in your life. We just need to be clear about our intention and our purpose. You know, how do I want to feel? What's the goal of picking up this book or taking this walk? Being present to the experience, Mm. you know, tuning out distractions and really being in the moment. And then making room for repetition, which can foster intimacy and comfort familiarity which makes something so much more powerful than just a thing you did one day (laughs) (laughs) and you can find them like as I said daily activities like they don't have to be um like profound uh you know elaborate experiences they can be very very simple it's like having a like a coffee and journaling time in the morning with the sunrise it can be a daily ritual Right. As long as you're bringing those pillars of intention, attention, and repetition, mm-hmm. um, brings a little bit of a little bit of enchantment into your life that I think moves things in a really beautiful direction. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, for me, I think it's like it's beautiful to hear you talk about more of this sort of. Um, this idea of tapping into something that's enchanting or, but, but also just from a very, um, I don't know, uh, even if you're you're like a stone cold, logical person, this will not be moved. (laughs) (laughs) This makes sense to me because um, taking like, like the morning cup of coffee, for example, um, you know, I used to, before I started working for myself and back when I worked in agency world, I would get up filled with anxiety, wouldn't have breakfast, wouldn't race to work and grab a huge uh, coffee on my way in. And now in my life, I, I mean, I've got to have coffee when I wake up. Otherwise I'm intolerable just to ask my husband, <laughs> but it's also, it's this thing that I look forward to in the morning and making a really good cup of coffee. And 
with few exceptions, I drink it at home. Even if I'm going for an early morning workout or something, I'm, I, I don't always do this, but my preference certainly is to drink my coffee on the couch and either journal or read or do a little meditation, or you just even drink it with maybe the cow climb on my lap. And, you know, there's sort of a difference between just going through the motions of life and being able to see the things that we're doing in our lives, not even changing them necessarily and turning them into a ritual or sort of ritualizing them. We've also talked about this with, um, you had a work have done a couple of workshops now on the the winter time and as we go into winter of doing a, a group coaching uh, workshop because for so many of us myself included for sure um the darker months are challenging and mm-hmm. that really made me you, you talk about rituals in those workshops and it had it made me look at things I was already doing in my life to sort of survive winter and just appreciate them more so lighting mm-hmm. candles for example um, I get up in the morning and I usually light a couple candles while I'm having my coffee. I light candles again in the evening, maybe while I'm making dinner or making a, a cocktail, put music on. Um, and so they, they shift from just being like a, I don't know, a thing to have in your house to, Hey, this is part of a, a routine and there doesn't have to be anything mystical or magical about it. It just, mm-hmm. if nothing else, it makes it, I don't know. Makes it nicer. <laughs> nicer. Yeah. Yeah. Scrap all the mystical magical. It doesn't matter. If that language supports you, use it. Enjoy it. If it's like a little bit, you know, there's a little bit of a, hmm, I think I might not hate that. I encourage you to explore it. But if it's a hard no, you're just like, that's not what I want. I don't care. <laughs> like, make your life nicer. You deserve to have a nice life. And it doesn't have to be a luxurious, extravagant undertaking. You can make your life nicer simply by paying attention to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, isn't it, it's a remarkable thing how this is like, that's such, such a simple message, but it's also, I still find it kind of revolutionary, you know, it's just, it's, it's incredible how, how, little i think we we get that message we might be told yeah go you know go do stuff go buy stuff but just this idea mm-hmm. of like hey make your day nicer like yeah we're mm-hmm. all grown ups here it's not usually easy why not just make it a little bit nicer and mm-hmm. seek seek pleasure mm-hmm. in the course of a day which doesn't mean it has to be you know hedonistic <laughs> it just can make it <laughs> although uh-huh. <laughs> it's nothing wrong with that either <laughs> she wiggles her eyebrows but like you know we can we can just make it make it nicer make the work nicer make the errands nicer make the the boring stuff nicer what have you yeah um so we're just about out of time um but there i would love to just ask you one more question and then do a super quick lightning round with a, a few little random questions i'll throw at you um right, talking about making things nicer and something that you do really beautifully as well I feel is bring people together you do this in your workshops and something you talk a lot about is the power of community and your great champion of you know coming together um 
you had implemented something in your own family called family dinner, where once a month, we as chosen family, so close friends, maybe literal family, but also this kind of extended notion of family will come for a Sunday dinner at your house. Um, there, so there's all different kinds of ways that we might bring more community into our, our lives. Can you just comment on how, how does community fit into this notion? You know, how is it different from just doing these things on our, on our own? Why might we want to consider connection with other people as part of this overall sort of embodiment type of practice? Mm. I just know that without people, we will die. And when we are in community with people who we belong with, we live longer, richer, healthier lives. It is a part of my commitment to seeking joy. It's part of my commitment to uh, community care and taking care of the collective making sure that my friends are okay, that they know that there's somewhere for them to go and making sure that there's somewhere for me to go and some place for my children to go. So my children have relationships with aunties and uncles. We'll take care of them. I don't know. I just love my people and I want to have as many opportunities to express my love, share love with other people, uh, work together. Many hands make glass uh, light work. And that we don't have to just white knuckle this life going from one obligation to another. Pleasure is our birthright. Being with community is our birthright. I really believe it. And we often are just out of the habit of being in relationship with people. And it takes active participation. So I'm trying to do that, trying to do my part. That's beautiful. Everybody listening now is going to be like, Cam's so lucky. She's friends. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just trying to keep you around. (laughs) This has been amazing. It really, again, every time we talk about this stuff, it just, it re-centers me, re-grounds me in it and, and reminds me to find these ways to to enjoy my day and my life. And even as I pursue all of these, the big things that I want to do and the little things that I've, I've got to do in a, in a given day. And it just, it, it creates such a nice sort of reset. Mm. So um, with that, um, let's just do this quick little lightning round that I like to throw in at, at the end of, of every podcast chat. Okay. What was your favorite book as a kid? I would say books by Phoebe Gilman. So like the balloon tree and uh, the one like the Jillian Jiggs series. Oh, yes. Those are great. Yeah. I love the magic of the balloon tree, especially just wonderful. (laughs) Come full circle. And what (laughs) are you reading right now? Um, Right now I am reading about six books because ADHD. Um, so um, Unbound by Tarana Burke. Um, and I'm also reading Merry Little Meet Cute 
that uh, that you actually recommended to me, and that's by Julie Mur- Julie Murphy. Let's Julie go with Murphy. That. That's what we're going <laughs> to go with. <laughs> um, if you were to write a book, what would it be about? <laughs> um, <laughs> it wouldn't have anything to do with the topic of of this podcast. It would be. I would write something about women on the road evading authority or domination and looking hot. (laughs) (laughs) So Thelma and Louise part two. Yeah, essentially. Essentially. Who is someone that inspires you? Well, since she's top of mind, I guess I'll talk about my grandma, uh, Gabrielle. Um, She's not with us anymore. Uh, on this earth, but she is in my heart and on my desk (laughs) in a beautiful ornate frame. Um, And she taught me to be tough and to be kind, to laugh at myself and stand up for myself, um, to question the rules and to love my people fiercely. Mm, Amazing. What an incredible role model who still is clearly having an important influence on your life. That's really lovely. (laughs) Well, that's such a great note. I think we will end it there. Thank you so much, Caitlin. This has been a wonderful chat. I'm so grateful to have you in my life and so happy to have you on this podcast. Oh, I'm so grateful for you too. This was so lovely. It just fills my heart up. And um, yeah, thanks for inviting me on. It's been the best. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Storytelling with Heart podcast. Want to turn your thoughts into leadership and your ideas into words that make a difference? Find me and discover more free resources at www.camilledeputter.com. While you're there, don't forget to subscribe to my email newsletter where I share stories, free tools, and other storytelling guidance. And never forget, your story matters. Your story matters.